In the latest episode of Vamos Verde, we are going to talk to one of the most prolific goal scorers in Major League Soccer history, Austin FC striker Giassi Zardes. We also talked to some folks who have been bringing the soundtrack to Austin's nightlife for over 20 years and are now providing the soundtrack at Q2 Stadium, their official DJ collective, Peligrosa. That's the latest episode of Vamos Verde. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello, and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives and give us a glimpse into their creative process. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and in this episode of This Song, we are going to hear from singer and songwriter Matthew Sweet. Dude, Matthew Sweet! That's how my inner 16-year-old feels about landing this interview, because his 1991 record Girlfriend was one of the go-to, start-to-finish records of my adolescence. And he's got a new record out called Tomorrow Forever that sounds very much in a girlfriend vein. It's hooky and poppy and jangly in all the right ways. My inner 16-year-old really likes the new record. Matthew Sweet is wrapping up a North American tour promoting Tomorrow Forever right now, and he'll be heading back out on the road in earnest in September. And he came to Austin a couple weeks ago to play for two nights at 310 at ACL Live. And while he was here, he was kind enough to stop by KUTX, the radio station where we make this podcast, and play a live set. Now, this was during the day of the second show that he played. And as someone who was on the road for a while, like, I know those days where you play, but you don't have to travel, like, they are almost like days off. So we all felt really lucky and honored that he took time from his almost day off to come play in our live performance space, Studio 1A. After the set, Matthew Sweet sat down with me to tell me about a songwriter who really showed him what kind of musician he wanted to be. So here he is, Matthew Sweet. My choice would be the Beatles, and I particularly... Uh, related to John Lennon. Um, I bought a 45 when I was pretty young, probably fifth or sixth grade of Nowhere Man. And I was really kind of obsessed with this record. He's a real nowhere man Sitting in his nowhere land Making all his nowhere plans for nobody Looking back, what I think is really cool about him and those songs I liked is they were so personal. It was a real kind of interpersonal kind of feeling that he put across in a lot of his songs. And um, that song in particular, I just kind of related to it. It's a little bit of a, a feeling of a listless kind of, you know... Uh, person who didn't know exactly where they fit in, you know. Somebody else sends you a 
on the heels of that, um, my parents had the Help soundtrack, and I really loved that song, Help. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. Which is very similar. It's a really personal statement um, from John that he used being in the band and their power and all of that to kind of say something really real, you know? Help me if you can, I'm feeling down And I do appreciate you being around Help me get my feet back on the ground Won't you please, please help me Shortly thereafter, the Revolver album is a big favorite of mine and uh, it was a little different because it was sort of more adventurous you know and uh, there was a song on it called She Said She Said that I particularly was enamored of It's interesting in that it kind of goes into some different tempos and um, has a kind of interesting way it's played and um, is really, I guess, they're starting to get kind of psychedelic. It's interesting because when you started talking about Nowhere Man, I was like... We are all nowhere, man, yes. to greater or lesser it's like degree. It's the universal right? struggle kind of thing, you know. And he kept doing that sort of thing, which is why he's kind of my favorite Beatle. He would could be very edgy and sort of uh, innovative, but then he could be very sweet and personal, you know, like songs like Julia, you know, on the White Album. loved those really personal songs of his I guess because it felt real to me and uh, in my own songwriting and becoming a sort of a singer-songwriter I think I really looked up to that ability to do all sorts of things you know really personal things and then things that are more fun and things that maybe are a little more exploratory adventurous you know yeah and trying to on all my records, I really tried to have a wide range of things like that. I really looked up to it. Yeah, I mean, the Beatles and John Lennon especially are really good for doing all, like, trying to do all the things. Like, Yeah, they always had a wide range of types of things. And, you know, they had it easier in that there were, there was so much talent in the group. And to have both Paul and John, you know, I kind of miss that a little bit, having... Um, to be just me, you know, it's a little more lonely or whatever. But they they were so incredible because of that combination of people, and uh, 
yeah, I always kind of envied that, you know, having being in a group rather than a solo artist. Now, did I read right? Weren't you in a group kind of early on in Athens? Um, I played in some groups. Yeah, I played in a group called OOK in Athens that we made a uh, an EP. that was just me and this drummer, David Pierce, and that was called Buzz of Delight. Since you went away worked on a side project with Michael Stipe that was called Community Trolls. If I reached out tonight, I found I couldn't find it. If you But really the only group group in the way I'm talking about it that I was in was the Thorns. I'm not gonna lie. guess 2002 I did this one record with uh, Sean Mullins and Pete Droge and it was something you know I sort of kicked and screamed about it we did a writing session in a studio and we wrote this song called I Can't Remember and sang it all in three-part harmony and we played it for I guess the guy that was funding the sessions on like a Friday and on Monday we got offered to do a record deal and they were like, we want you to just be a group and do a record deal. And I was really weird about it because I'm such a solo artist. But as I got into it, I really enjoyed being part of a group and I did the high singing sort of was my part and I got to play a lot of weird instruments. I played the, uh, the vihuela and uh, the dulcimer and ukulele. There was a song we sang where it was just me playing a, a baritone ukulele and the three of us singing harmonies. Among the living, you'll find the dying Waiting softly to pass on Why can't love be like a spirit As it floats up to the sky we toured a whole lot for it, and including we opened for the Dixie Chicks in all of Europe and England and Australia. And, you know, it was such an amazing thing. We played uh, Royal Albert Hall a couple of nights, and to go, it was so scary, you know, to play the ukulele song because I was the only one playing. And it was a, the only song I think that anyone wrote alone on the record. It was something I wrote alone while we were recording. And the, but the sound of everybody singing harmonies in that hall was really magical, you know. Because you know it, it makes you cry. Cause you can't see 
have a really good time doing it. But at the end of it, the other two guys were kind of frustrated and really wanted to produce the next record ourselves and the record label wouldn't agree to it. And so the option passed and we just kind of never made another record. But it still was a, a great experience for me to learn how to play well with others sort of I wasn't I wasn't good at it in the beginning and but at the end I was pretty uh okay and it also sounds like it you got to scratch that like Beatles itch that had been kind of tugging at you a little bit yeah especially with doing the harmonies you know it was they compared us to um you know Crosby Stills and Nash um Crosby Stills Nash and Young I hope because I would want to be the Neil Young guy (laughs) Find the cost of freedom buried in the ground. Mother Earth will swallow you. Lay your body But yeah, it had a little bit of that thing with, you know, your buddies doing harmonies and you didn't have to feel like you were the only guy, you know. You said you heard the John Lennon uh, Nowhere Man when you were in like fifth or sixth grade. And how old were you when you started writing music? Um, I really started writing more like ninth grade, probably maybe eighth, eighth or ninth grade. And I just sort of didn't know, you know, where does music come from and how do people write songs and I eventually came to sort of understand it for me I'm not a thought out kind of songwriter I don't have an idea and I go I'm gonna write a song about this that is like this and I found in co-writing that's how people usually are but for me it's more stream of consciousness it's kind of like whatever pops out then I sort of know what the song's going to be. Once I have sort of a germ of an idea, it just kind of magically comes together. And so it's really fun for me still because it's such a mysterious process, sort of. I've never been so much a nuts and bolts kind of writer. And I I think people thought of me a lot as a, you know, they would say he's a pop craftsman and this stuff. But I always kind of felt like I'd, didn't deserve to be called that because it was so much more happenstance than sort of really knowing what to do. But uh, but that's the way I do it. And it's at this point, I'm really glad because there's it's kind of this never-ending space. And if you can get in this kind of Zen mind, things just sort of come out. When I learned to make pottery, I learned to throw pottery on a wheel. And uh, it had a very similar thing about it where you have to be able to get in this zen spot where you're not thinking it's just pure feeling coming and that's when suddenly you can throw uh and it works and it's the same way with my songs i've listened to them and i go i don't know where that came from how did i do it you know and it and with pottery it was very similar i look at a piece of pottery that was finished and think how where did it come from, <laughs> you know? So I like that mystery sort of in, in music. I want to love somebody
It sounds like for you, with with art in general, it's it's allowing whatever it is to reveal itself to you. Yes, it is. It just kind of comes out of nowhere, and it just kind of comes from the universe, you know. Wow, that's like really cool. That's deep, man. man I know. It's deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in some ways, you're like a receiver. Like. I feel like I'm a receiver. Yes, I do. I I think that more accurately describes the way it is for me, my experience. It is like a receiver. It just kind of comes out. Do you think when you're deciding, because I, I, you probably receive more than you keep, I would think most people do, maybe? Um, I do. I mean, I get, I'll save up little ideas, little moments of inspiration. I might be doing something around the house and I start humming something and I'll, I'll try to record that little idea and uh, or I'm in the shower and I'm thinking something and so afterwards I'll try and record it into my phone and then when I listen back to them the ones that have enough in them to become something I just know immediately it's like oh that you know clicks in my head sort of the melody or melody in a couple of words or something and then they just kind of grow out of that I've I think of it a lot as growing, you know, um, like a plant grows or a flower or something. Do you think one of the things that you're looking for is that, like, the thing that you were attracted to in John Lennon's writing? Well, I think I'm looking for something new that makes me happy, kind of, you know. It's, it's, in a way, I guess it's sort of selfish in that I, I really like doing music and with, all the sadness and uncertainty and all the downside of life it's something that made me happy to sort of bring music out and kind of there's this brief time when I'm enamored with listening to it and knowing kind of myself and then that passes and I I have to do new stuff or everything else seems old to me and I'm always looking forward always kind of thinking about the next thing from Matthew Sweet's new record, Tomorrow Forever. And seriously, listen to this song. I mean, anyone thinking that he is a pop craftsman, these people can be forgiven, right? Because Matthew Sweet's songs, they're really well-constructed. They have these amazing hooks, and they're lyrically in tune with what's going on melodically, and, like, they take you to places. But I love knowing that the process is not so cerebral. It's organic. Like a plant. Cool. If you enjoyed that conversation that I had with Matthew Sweet about John Lennon, then I know you will love the interview I did with Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo, who also talked about a life-changing Beatles experience. He talked about seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and how that totally 
transformed him as a kid. It's actually one of our most hilarious episodes, and you can find that episode along with our entire archive over 94 episodes on the podcast app or KUTX.org or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And believe me, there's a lot of good listening there. Like I said, Matthew Sweet will be going on tour in September, doing some dates in the Midwest and on the East Coast, and I will post a link to his tour dates on the show notes page for this episode at KUTX.org so you can find out, is Matthew Sweet coming to your town or near your town? I'll also put a Spotify playlist there so you can hear all the songs that we reference in this episode all the way through. And do you have a song or a record or an artist that changed the way you saw the world? We would love to hear about it. Tweet us at this song, KUTX is our handle, or you can send us an email at this song at KUTX.org. Leave a comment on our Facebook page or call us. Our number is 512-766-9066. We'd love to put your story on the podcast. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This Song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced and edited by David Sanger and me, Elizabeth McQueen. This interview was recorded by Jack Anderson. Taylor Wallace curates our Instagram account. Kelly Seal is our most excellent intern. And thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. It's possibly Mahout, but Mahout. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at this song KUTX. You can like us on Facebook, and you can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, Austin Music Minute, Liner Notes, and Song of the Day on iTunes. And we'd always love a rating or a review. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.